mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Beware of Spoilers. I am Adam. Um, so this isn't a new movie release, but considering the way they released this, I figured the best way to go about doing a uh, an episode about it was to do it as Beware of Spoilers, considering it aired last night. It is now... 12.45 on Wednesday, so part three aired last night, and it is now done. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Elseworlds, the DC television crossover event that they do every year. Now, the ending of the part three was uh, pretty pretty great. It was like a post credit scene, but we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But I have a few gripes with this compared to last year's and the year before that and the year before that. Um, so let me just very quickly give my thoughts on previous seasons. Um, season 1 had Flash versus Arrow. Uh, I'm going to go based on seasons of The Flash, because season 1 of The Flash, season 3 of Arrow. The first year was Flash versus Arrow. Um, I mean, really, if you want to talk about both of the Arrow crossovers that happened... Before that, Fastest Man Alive, with Barry showing up in Star City for the one episode to kind of backdoor pilot The Flash. Uh, they also had an episode where Cisco and Caitlin show up um, between Barry getting his powers and the first episode of The Flash, between, you know, the beginning of the first episode and the, the real, like, meat of the first episode. Um, they have that episode, too, with uh, Cisco and Caitlin. Uh, but the real crossover with the heroes crossing over and, you know, doing things... Uh, number one was Flash versus Arrow, and then they had the crossover on Arrow 2, where they go and deal with Captain Boomerang in Star City. Um, it felt very concise and clean, and it was just like, you know, we're doing this, this is what we're, we're gonna do. They're gonna fight, it's gonna be a brief fight, they're gonna team up, they're gonna, you know... And a lot of times, um, the conversations between Barry and Oliver are used to push along the emotional underpinnings of the, uh, season. Um... So that's what that's what that was more of. Um, I don't remember the Arrow episode as much as I remember the Flash episode, Flash versus Arrow. Um, but that's a that's what happened. Uh, season two of the Flash and season four of Arrow was Legends of Yesterday, Legends of Today, which was the backdoor pilot for Legends of Tomorrow, where they uh, Vandal Savage shows up um, to kill Hawk Girl, uh, Hawkman shows up. And they uh, they have to stop Randall Savage from killing them, otherwise the entire world gets destroyed. Now, this is one of the several times on The Flash that they've done a time travel reversion to fix what happened. And really, I hate when they do it, because it makes it feel like the entire episode I just watched was kind of useless. Um, because like the first episode ends with all of Star City being destroyed. Uh, not uh, all of Central City being destroyed, because... Uh, Felicity decides to confront Oliver in the middle of the, of the, you know, them planning on how to handle Vandal Savage. Um, he, they, uh, she decides to confront him about his son that he didn't tell her about. Um, 
so it's just, you know, Oliver gets, doesn't have his head in the game, and that's that. So, then when everything goes awry, Flash runs away, and he ends up running back in time, and Oliver uh, goes to Barry, no, we're going to use exactly what you know happened, and we're going to do it right this time, so they, they fix things so it doesn't happen poorly, and then Legend of Tomorrow kicks off from there. Um, then the next year was the first... Um, three-part crossover event, including Supergirl, because during that season, Supergirl also launched, but it wasn't part of this event. Um, Barry goes to Supergirl's Earth for a crossover, and uh, shenanigans happen. Supergirl shows up in Season three's Invasion crossover, with Legends showing up, but Legends didn't get an... Uh, no, Legends did get an episode. Supergirl got a tail end. So it was the first four-part crossover, quote-unquote, but it wasn't really four parts because Supergirl's crossover was only Barry and uh, Cisco showing up at the very end to uh, to ask Supergirl to come help with the invasion of the Dominators. Um, this one I had an issue with because they didn't plan out the season too well, I don't think, and they put the 100th episode of Arrow in the middle of the crossover. So the crossover kind of grinds to a halt to honor Arrow and to jerk off Arrow a little bit. Um, which was, like, you know, you have this thing, but, like, then it's, like, all of Arrow's cast gets abducted by uh, by by the Dominators, and they're being put into an ideal situation where it's, like, you have Speedy's there, and Oliver's mom, and all these characters who you haven't seen in years on Arrow, let alone in the crossovers ever, and it kind of just feels out of place, and if it's trying to get someone to watch Arrow from this, then I don't know if it's having the desired effect. But what do I know? Um, and that one was pretty good. Then last year's felt like it was dragged out a little too long. Last year's was Crisis on Earth X, um, which was uh, the best Justice League movie that came out last year. Um, the uh, Nazis from Earth X invade Central City at, during Barry and Iris' wedding, and they have to stop the Nazis from taking over Earth 1, so that way they can steal, uh, that way they can surgically implant Kara heart in the Earth X Supergirl's heart, um, who is married to Oliver Queen, who's the Fuhrer. There's a lot of things that don't really add up in this world, but whatever, we'll let it ride. Like, how did the Ray get there from Earth 1? Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that don't really add up. They don't really make any attempt to really explain it, um, either. So, that one, I felt like it went on a little too long, um... And really, that one didn't really need to be three parts. And if there was any crossover that the Legends could have been left out of completely, um, that was it. Because for the most part, they're not in the episode. Um, kind of off to the, they're kind of off to the side, with the exception of Firestorm and uh, White Canary, who are there the entire time. But everyone else is just kind of not there anyway. Um, like uh, they show up briefly for the wedding, and then it just. They kind of fuck off, and then half the team's gone the entire time anyway. And then for the Legends episode, everyone shows up, which the Legends episode is only made longer by the fact that Stein gets killed off. So, and what are you gonna do? Um, there's a lot of really they they really milk the emotional impact of Stein's death out of that. So that's that's really what happens there. Uh, this year was a three part crossover called Elseworlds, which uh, we now know now that it's out is. The Monitor gives the Book of Destiny to John Deegan, a psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum, who um, uses it to rewrite reality in his image and basically make him a god. So it starts out with um, 
Barry and Oliver wake up and they've switched lives completely. And I think one of the things that's really good about this crossover is the amount of, like... Like, the amount of, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, moments that they have of just, you know, laughing kind of at themselves. Like, uh, when, um... When Oliver wakes up, and he, uh, he's in, in bed with Iris, and he's, you know, walking around, and, uh, he gets the ring, he puts the flash suit on, he looks around, and he's like, oh, Barry, what did you do now? Um, cause it's, like, it's not the first time Barry's fucked around with time and shit went wrong, and then it's like, um, Barry fooling around, but as a green arrow, like, it, the, the whole thing is very, like, it's, it's amusing, and then they go to Supergirl's Earth, we meet Lois Lane, we meet... Uh, they formally meet Superman for the first time, and, uh, because the changes only impact Earth-1, not Earth-38, um, so then they, uh, they go with Supergirl, they come back to Earth-1, they fight Amazo, who no one knew was gonna be in the episode, I mean, he was on the poster, but I don't think anyone really put together that that was gonna be Amazo, or what he's gonna be doing there, um, the fight of Mazo, you know, getting acclimated with each other's powers, and that's that. Part two happens. This is the backdoor pilot for Batwoman, where um, Cisco in part one vibed the Monitor, and uh, uh, who is you know kind of driving everything here, and uh, they they take a picture of the mon. They uh, they they find out where the Monitor is by going back into the vibe, and they find out he's in Gotham. So they go to Gotham, and then this has a lot of of things of why does no one talk about Gotham City on the show, and like uh, there's arguments of whether or not the Batman is real or not, or and all of that, mm-hmm. and we're introduced to Kate Kane, who is taking over the mantle of protector of the city in the absence of Bruce Wayne, who has left, um, who has left the city, uh, and there's no Batman, so crime has just run amok. Um, there's a lot of cool Batman Easter eggs in this episode. Uh, number one, first and foremost, it, it drives part of the plot. Uh, Barry and Oliver end up fighting because they hallucinate each other as each other's villains. So uh, Oliver as Barry is fighting Thawne, and Oliver uh, and Barry as Oliver is fighting Malcolm Merlin, and um, it's really a cool thing because it, it's all put up, put in by the fear toxin of uh, Scarecrow. Um, when they're going through Arkham and the breakout, uh, in Arkham is happening, uh, Nora Fries is there, Nora Fries is there, um, she, uh, she's trying to get a cold gun, she faces off with Caitlyn, who's, uh, Tora Frost, that's pretty cool, um, you see on the walls is all of the, what's it called, um, is, uh, names of very table, like, Mark Guggenheim was on there, but he should have stayed in Arkham, uh, there was, uh, Edward Nigma's on there, you have, um, who else, Clayface was in there, um, the Penguin, um, Edward Cobblepot, um, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of just, you know, little Batman Easter eggs throughout Arkham Asylum, including Bane's mask from the Dark Knight, uh, returns, um, the Dark, the Dark Knight Rises, and, uh, the Bat-Signal, also looks at like the bat signal from the Dark Knight Rises. So there's a lot of things that are going on that you could really uh, what's it called that you can kind of extrapolate. It's meant to be the same world as Nolan's Batman, which is weird to say the least. But they're probably not going to do that. Um, also, there's a there's something written on the wall. I read in an article. Um, there's something written on a wall that says uh, 
what's it called? Uh, it's a, what's what's uh, black and blue and red all over. Um, and it's it's meant to be a uh, what's it called? A callback to which Batman costume he's using, and it's you know the the traditional Batman costume, not the all black uh, tactical suit one they've been using more recently. Um, so they team up with Batwoman and they uh, to contain the outbreak at Arkham. Uh, but it really does set into motion all of what would happen in a Batwoman TV show is now all of Batman's villains have escaped Arkham and now she's the only one there who can bring him back in. So it's really, a, a, it really sets it up well. Um, also in Arkham Asylum is, uh, Psycho Pirate, who is, uh, gonna play a big role coming up. Not in this crossover, but in future crossovers. Um, we see him with his Medusa mask too. And, um... So, uh, part two, really, it ends with, uh, them getting the book, they confront the monitor, and, um, and, uh, John Deegan, uh, he gives the book back to Deegan, and Deegan rewrites reality again, where Barry and Oliver are trigger twins, and are villains, and he is Superman on this earth. So, then, part three happens, where now Barry and Oliver are now depowered and bad guys, and they have to uh, defeat Deegan, who is Superman. So they go to Earth 38 with the help of an evil Cisco, who anytime they let Carlos Valdez chew the scenery, it's hilarious because they did this in Flashpoint as well, where they kind of just let him riff and kind of be a different character. And it's, it's always really fun when they do that. Um, so they do that. Um, they do that, and then they uh, they go to Earth 38 find Superman and Lois at the Fortress of Solitude, and then they come back to Earth-1. Um, this is interesting for someone who doesn't watch much of Supergirl to know that they have Brainiac 5 on the show, too, now. Because um, Brainiac 5 comes, because then they they fight Superman for the uh, the evil Superman for the rest of the episode. Superman fights them, they get the book back, and then they pay homage to Superman the movie where Kara, um, Kara and uh, Barry run around the Earth really fast to try and slow down time. Um... Which is just kind of like a funny little, like, stupid thing that, like, everyone knows it's ridiculous, but it's just kind of like, okay, we're gonna do it anyway, why not? Um, so, the, uh, what's it called? The whole, uh, the whole thing was, you know, mildly amusing with that. And then it ends, they get the, everyone gets their powers back to restore to where they were, and, um, it ends with, uh, Barry and Oliver having a heart-to-heart in a bar, and then he goes to, um, he gets a call from Kate Kane, who says, um, are you sure your friend John isn't going to be a, more of a problem here in Arkham? Um, and he goes, no, he shouldn't, why? And, it's, and she goes, oh, it seems he's made a friend. And then it shows John Deegan in Arkham. And then it, the camera slowly pans over to, uh, the cell next to him where Psycho Pirate is, and he says, uh, everything's already been set in motion, it cannot be stopped. Uh, worlds will live, worlds will die, nothing, uh, the universe will never be the same, and then it shows, coming fall 2019, Crisis on Infinite Earths. So that was basically just a summary of what happened. Uh, my biggest concern is, number one, the Legends really should have been more involved, because I feel like you could have had a lot more fun with these characters, and put them in, and had them do different things, uh, but they missed that opportunity. Um, number two, this feels more like it needed to be a fourth part, uh, more so than last season's um, Earth uh, Crisis on Earth X. Um, 
So I, I feel like this could have helped with the extra part because there's a lot of things that they do that I feel like an extra episode would have made it feel a lot more cohesive. Um, and we'll give more time to, to try other things. Um, they didn't necessarily have the time to do here. Um, so that was, that was one of the disappointments they had, uh, I had with this. And now most of the questions come from what are they going to do for the rest of the year and in, um, in Crisis on Infinite Earths next year. I think that if you watch the shows, I haven't watched Supergirl's finale yet, but I do know that Supergirl's finale, uh, mid-season finale, had um, Agent Liberty locked up, and uh, Supergirl has to accept a new status quo, uh, not working for the DEO anymore. Um, then Arrow had a new status quo at the result as a result of theirs. Where Oliver is now working for the Star City Police as the Green Arrow, now out of prison. Um, and Diaz is in prison. So that's two shows that have their major villain for the year locked up. And um, a new status quo imposed on the hero. The Flash had it where they could have caught Cicada. But for whatever reason, through the poor writing, they didn't. Um... And we find out now that Nora is working with the Reverse Flash. This kind of bucks the trend a little bit of where they're going with this, but where where am I where I'm going with this? But it all comes together because in the the Flash seems to be the most heavily tied to the crisis, and we see um, we see that throughout the the show because it's like the first episode of the Flash or one of the very early episodes of the Flash introduces. The, the fact that the Flash vanished in 2024 during Crisis on Infinite Earths. And, um... Oh, I forgot to mention on the on Arrow, uh, not only is, you know, he working for the, Central City, uh, the Star City Police, but he also has a... Uh, there's also a new Green Arrow who's active. Um... In Star City, who is his half-sister, Emiko. Um... Now the Flash has the Reverse Flash is leading an army of demons, and the Reverse Flash has a very big role in Crisis on Infinite Earths on the CW, according to what we know from the articles uh, from Center City Picture News in the future. And that's one other thing that they uh, that they are setting into motion there. Um, also, the way that Cicada's powers work and where everything is, Cicada doesn't necessarily need to, um, what's it called? Cicada doesn't necessarily need to, uh, be around too much longer, um, going into it. And the Flash can build up towards Crisis in more meaningful ways, even if Cicada is the villain. And that might be why they went with a weak villain, so they can build toward Crisis while still dealing with the villain, while still dealing with the villain, uh, over the long term. Legends ends with everything set back to normal from... Where it was, and that was actually a very funny episode, the, the mid-season finale, Legend of Tomorrow. Um, they, uh, everything set back to normal, and, um, the, uh, they, uh, they don't really have a villain set up going in motion, and they seem to be continuing on their, their trend of just catching the magical creatures, but there's really no end game to why they're, where, what they're doing here, they're just continuing to catch magical creatures. I have not watched this season of Black Lightning, 
And if they are going to do Curse on Infinite Earths, Black Lightning should be involved. Because the way I see it, last year, or earlier this year, holy shit, it's not even 2019 yet. Earlier this year, we had Infinity, Ga uh, Infinity War come out. And this is the beginning of the end of one phase, like one prolonged phase of the Marvel Universe. Where things are going to change permanently after this. And we're going to have new characters and new things are going to be active in the forefront. This is what Crisis on Infinite Earths should be for DC television. Where... This will be the end of an era. This will be the, like, I think 100% considering the fact that at one point in part three, Oliver makes a deal with the Monitor that in no uncertain terms has him almost guaranteed giving his life in the future to save Barry and, and Kara. Um, I think 100% that's end up happening, and um, he's end up dead. And Emiko's going to take his place. If they continue on era, they're going to have Emiko be the, uh, the front runner. Um, going into it. And I think that what they can do now at the back half of all of these seasons is build towards Crisis. And because they've announced it so early, last year we didn't know Elseworlds was a crossover until um, San Diego Comic-Con, which was July of this year. We don't find out usually until, and we find out spa, uh, sparse details the entire way through getting up to it and i think that that's where this is going to end up going where they're going to end up building towards it and it's a if they don't do this it's a giant wasted opportunity where you can generate so much hype for this more so than you ever could for a movie by building towards this thing because even so Crisis on Earth X can be completely ignored in the grand scope of what happened. The only thing that really matters is that Oliver, Felicity, and Barry, and uh, Iris got married. But the events that happened besides Stein's death are kind of largely ignored. Same thing with um, Legends of Yesterday, Legends of Today, and same thing with Flash vs. Arrow. The events can be largely ignored. The impact that the Monitor has had on Earth-1 cannot be ignored and would feel weird if it's ignored and I think it's for the best if they don't ignore it and kind of full on embrace it and if the back half of all the seasons kind of go you know go on with it um so I think that the best way for them to do this in summation going into Crisis on Infinite Earths next year um is they have so much time now to build towards it. Where previous crossovers never needed to be built towards it because it's a uh, they were one-offs. This feels like an event. This feels like you need the Fury of Firestorm. This feels like you need other things involved. If they're going to do Crisis on Infinite Earths, I want to see every living character in the DC pantheon they have on that on the CW, I want to see every single one of them showing up to uh, to fight the Anti-Monitor. But that's not... I have a, uh, a gut feeling that that's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, so we'll wrap it up there for today. Um, if you haven't seen Elseworlds yet, I may have said it's not as good as Crisis on Earth X, but it's still really, really funny. And I, I think... Last year I said Crisis on Earth X is a good jumping on point for anyone who's never really watched. I think Elseworlds isn't a great jumping on point. I think it's more of something that's for people who have watched the shows longer and uh, and know what's going on. Um, because you, you can jump in with it. But 
like a lot of it is geared more toward the long-term fan than it is for the new viewer. Um, where Crisis on Earth X was more geared toward getting people back into the shows who may have lapsed or may have um, may have never seen it before. Um, but one final thought before we go. If they're going to do Crisis on Earth X next, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths next year, it has to be a Fathom event. You need to theatrically release this. Um, and you need, that way we can, we can say hands down that we had a good version of The Flash in a DC movie. Because Ezra Miller's not cutting it. And on that note, we will wrap it up there for today. Um, I am Adam. You can follow me on Twitter at AdamTaylor792. <coughs> and, uh... We'll be back with uh, more movies as we're in December now. We have a lot of new releases coming up. So uh, have a good rest of your week. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.